This is a podcast from China Daily Hong Kong. Thanks for tuning in to an edition of Story Spotlight, where we engage with a CDHK reporter and dive deeper into a recently published story which drew a buzz. In the second part of a two-part series, we pick up from last week's episode with CDHK Culture Desk editor Chitra Lekabasu on her recently published essay series on Hong Kong's upcoming museums and how they stack up against their counterparts in the Greater Bay Area during the pandemic. Museums are not just obviously about what they hold within or the platform itself, but I just want to talk about the architecture, which you know you your series really、uh, talks about a lot. And I was just wondering, like, are they mostly Western architects that are influencing、uh, the museums that are coming up in Chinese mainland, or the ones that are that are planning to come up in Western Kowloon District? Is there any influence of Chinese culture? I think the most. I mean, this is an opinion from Professor Li Huiyin, of who is the head of the Conservation Department of Hong Kong University School of Architecture,、mm. and he mentions that the architects of the new museums of、uh, on the Chinese mainland are more boldly experimental in their approach, bold、oh. and more experimental in their approach、yeah. compared to their counterparts in Hong Kong. So those. Uh, the two museums that I studied closely—that's the Ha Art Museum in Foshan、mm. and Design Society in Shekou—both are kind of, you know, made by Japanese architects. Oh wow! And、uh, so there, there's nothing particularly Chinese or Western about either design, but、right. both are quite interesting in、mm. their own ways. Okay, for but for reasons of time, I'd、uh, probably kind of it's、yeah. probably or should I? A little bit about the.、Uh, oh no no! I think、uh, that's a good. That's a that's a good.、Uh, but then, like, just just to、um, sort of piggyback on that, like the.、Um, would you say? But that, I think your question was about the Chinese ness of、uh, the. Or actually,、Chinese、just even in, even in, hol- in, even holistically, actually, even Eastern, like that's interesting that you you mentioned that there's Japanese right, influence、yes. in the architecture as well. And they are actually they are Japanese, but they are world famous architects. They have made Tadao Ando, for example, who designed an art museum in Shunde, Guangdong. He has、mm. kind of you know, and he this was a an architectural breakthrough museum、right. in terms of museum architecture, which is this very striking double helix staircase. Right. That goes round and you know rises up the structure and kind of looks at the brings a bit of the sky into the building, and、mm. uh, it, it's very striking in a in a lot of ways. But Tadawando has designed you know other museums around the world, so、uh, there's nothing intrinsically Chinese about it. And、uh, um, looking at Hong Kong museums. Maybe I I just like to mention something very interesting and ha- it relates to your ties in with your question about、yep. Chinese ness, which is the design by Rocco Im, the architect who's designing Hong Kong Palace Museum, which、mm. is kind of you know nearing the building is nearing completion even as we speak, and it has a very fun design that hides the chi- its Chinese ness. Within the structure, from the outside, it looks like a very linear kind of a design. You know,、mm. with a, 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 I call it an inverted Aztec pyramid look from the outside. <laughs> uh, rather deceptively, if you、uh, you know the interiors come with very soft, fluid lines,、mm. and、uh, this is again Professor Lee who told、uh, said that the, that. Fluid ceiling is actually it's derived from its aesthetic matches that of the British architect Zaha Hadid. That's、right. her 
signature design mm. and uh, ultimately I'd, I'd like to add that a, mu a museum which is in china doesn't necessarily have to have chinese characteristics That's in its design yeah, as yeah. long as it's <laughs> kind of it's it's fun and fresh and thought provoking and kind of you know at, is attractive at yep. the end of the day museum 2050 for me when I read that in your series was one of the most uh, interesting things because they're a consultant, I believe, like, just correct me if I'm wrong, that they, they, they're pretty much the, they keep their finger on the pulse on the growth of the museum community in China. And so I found that really interesting. And I just wanted to know on your opinion, like what, what were the most interesting verdicts or things that they mentioned to you when you were talking with them? Right. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I'm equally excited on their behalf because, you know, this platform was founded in 2017 by these two very enterprising and very young women, actually. Right. And, you know, who I think are going to be, uh, you know, actively contributing to the discussion of the growth of uh, and evolution of Chinese museums in the year 2050. Because, you know, even 30 years from now, they are going to be kind of active and in their prime sure. as the witness, you know, how, how the because that, they are that young. Uh, so yeah. as the as the witness, how the kind of you know, scene has evolved hmm. and you asked about, you know, uh, what did I learn? What I found most interesting about what they told me about the Chinese museum scene. And I'd like to mention, this is Nicole Ching, one of the co-founders. She mentioned how over the last three, four years, the, uh, the how they have, she, this is what she said, you know, I have, she says, I have watched with fascination the capacity of so many private museums to socialize a whole new generation. And that in a culture where museums, especially kind of, you know, private museums sh showing contemporary and avant-garde art, these concepts are relatively new. And Nicole says the, and she also mentions this, this term, she called it the burgeoning middle class of China. And she says that the new museums in China have been able to actively woo them and kind of, you know, cultivate them and whet their cultural appetite and passion for contemporary art and tapping into their need to be cultivated, but also provide them with the content that right. uh, they need to be uh, cultivated. It's so actually, I thought that it, was fantastic. Yeah, that is very interesting. It's actually amazing that they were able to do that to such a huge population, that budgeting middle class you mentioned in such a short period of time as well. Um, that's that's quite remarkable. Yeah, 900 plus museums in the last 10 years. And that's, that's kind of amazing. That's crazy. Museum 2050, they are sort of monitoring the growth of museums. Specifically and they have a in China. Platform. Right. Also, they kind of, you know, work very closely with the museums. They organize uh, international symposiums. I hmm. just participated in one of them uh, very recently. Uh, I mean, I had to do it online, of course, but they were actually having it in the physical space in oh, in. Wow. Yes, yeah, that that yeah. was amazing. Your series, yeah, you mentioned also in your series the term sisterhood of museums that's mm -hmm. coming out from uh, the pandemic restrictions. I just want to ask you, as in what way has the sisterhood evolved since the pandemic? Was it there before the pandemic or is that just something that's, that's cropped up now, the need for collaboration? 
I guess the it was always always there. It's part of as Suhania Rafael, who's the director of uh, M Plus, she says that mm-hmm. you know it's part of our museum ethos to kind of you know share resources and collections. Yeah. But I think what the pandemic has does uh, has done is to kind of you know intensify, underscore, and intensify the the uh, these efforts, the importance of uh, you know having such collaboration. And okay. if I might just add that M Plus Museum is already kind of, you know, they have an MOU with the power station of art in Shanghai and wow. they have close relationships. Yes, of course, you know, so this is, you know, happening for real. Right. And they have long-standing relationships with museums in Tokyo, Singapore and Beijing. Yes. Uh, as you know, Greater Bay Area Development. Yeah. I'd just like to mention this rather young man who called Xiao Shu, who is the director of Toshan's Ha Art Museum. The interview I did with him, he thinks that, and I put this question to him about the possibility of forming a comradeship of uh, museums in the greater Bay Area. And so he he thinks that this is very much a possibility and it's happening. And he points out that an increasing number of art fairs, expos and conferences are happening in the greater Bay Area, in the mainland part of it, especially in Guangzhou and Shenzhen. They have this advantage because, you know, domestic travel is kind of, you know, there's no bar on it. Right. They can easily travel between places. Right. So that's that advantage they have at this moment. And But, you know, this is also serving as a platform to connect art institutions. And exactly. uh, he yeah. seems to have yeah. a lot of faith in Greater Bay Area being a key national development strategy and the contributions that all it's, these, you know, components of the art ecology are making to it. Yeah, it's a huge focus area um, for the government for in the especially in the arts as well, like you like you mentioned, just staying on that topic. I was wondering, in your opinion, like, is this a chance this cross border collaboration and in the arts? Is it a chance for the Hong Kong youth to connect the understanding and history of mainland China, mainland Chinese culture? I think uh, an institution like the Hong Kong Palace Museum could be a source of, uh, there will be a lot to learn from uh, an institution like Hong Kong Palace Museum if you are so inclined. I interviewed the Hong Kong Palace Museum director, Hmm. Dr. Louise Ng, who Hmm. says that, you know, they are going to, I mean, this is coming back to your question about, specifically about Hong Kong youth, which is, uh, he says that, the Hong Kong Palace Museum director, he says that, they are going to adopt a cross-disciplinary approach that will speak to Hong Kong audience and resonate with their everyday lives. And they are particularly actually targeting the youth and they're trying to kind of, you know, package the art and antiquities from ancient China in a way that today's youth will be able to relate to. And they are actually, you know, the target uh, audience. Right, right. Oh, An important so part of the target audience. And we'll have to see how this goes. Right, right. And just finally, like um, your uh, your series quotes, I believe it's by Andres Santo, and I really like That's like right. I found it interesting. Europe gave us the first iteration of the museum, grand palaces devoted to a certain ideal or high culture. The influence of the U.S. in the 20th century was about creating a more democratic, civic, education oriented, user friendly museum. And now we have turned the page to Asia, and its imprint will likely be both cultural and technological. Um, so yeah, just in Europe, does this sum up the whole series reporting, the essence of the future potential of museums and China's role in that? 
right. This sort of sums up what's happening at the at the present moment, right. which is kind of the shift of the epicenter of exciting and avant-garde museum activity from Europe and North America to Asia, but not just Asia actually, because you know there is, as you kind of said, as you suggested, the possibility of China being at the forefront of this kind of museum revolution, if you like, mm. uh, offering the world's most exciting, most satisfying and most welcoming museum experience that, can, you know, I mean, China might well be in the forefront of this movement, if I can call it that. But having said that, uh, I think we have to remember that a number of museums challenging the conventions of museum experience at this uh, at this time, are coming up in the African countries. Right, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, and this is very new in that culture. But, you know, there are really interesting kind of uh, path-breaking museum mm. experiences created in some of the African countries at this moment. Mm. And the uh, Japanese do contemporary art museums very well. And Singapore has very fine museums mm. and also generous funding from their government to back such efforts so it's happening in many places what was for you covering this whole this whole sega like what was the most what was an interesting takeaway personally for you that you found that you were not expecting to take away or um, was anything specifically that that resonated with you from covering the story well a few things actually (laughs) but i think you sort of what you kind of you know you picked on actually the shirley surya comment Mm. on you know what we who work in the arts sector do I mean what 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 is our relevance mm. at, at at a moment like this? How can we contribute to social well being? Right. And uh, you know also kind of what is the purpose that art serves? Art mm. and heritage in a time can it make a real difference to people's lives? Rather than just and, preserve and showcase our yes. our our transitional moments, can it do something during the transitional moments itself? Yeah, I mean, the, but you know, museums, as I mentioned, the Garage Museum in in Moscow, they have actually kind of you know made a difference in in the real practical because they have ser- served warm meals to people who were in need. Right. So, uh, but that's that. Is that art? In a way, that is probably art and heritage <laughs> yeah, and culture. Right. Right. You know, if you can, you know, art in a different form, I guess. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, so it's it's a moment of reckoning, obviously. And you know, I felt that change that we are we are transitioning and we are kind of you know being in the interstices of moving from one era to the other. Sure. And sure. You know, and witnessing this change, uh, maybe through the lens of museums, for me. Thank you so much, Chitralika. I really appreciate that. Oh, not at all. Thank you. That's all for this segment, guys. Until next time, stay healthy.